On today's episode, Dave interviews Judy Fabjance. Judy is a former student of Dave's and has been performing with and a founding member of Geico Productions, a not-for-profit theater ensemble that creates sketch comedy reviews based on gay and lesbian themes. Judy studied Second City, the Annoyance Theater, and Columbia College. Judy wrote and performed at Second City Skybox Theater. Are you there, Judy? It's me, Cancer. And is currently performing her second show, Tales of Stage 4 Cancer, about her undergoing treatment for stage four breast cancer. I'm Ian Foley, and this is ADD Comedy. We're at my mom's house. I'm at Judy Fabjans. We're at my mom's house. I never introduce shows like that, but I wanted to say that because it seems such a show thing to say. <laughs> um, talking about religion, I, I, I loved going to Hebrew school. Okay. I loved it because girls. Okay. You would love it for the same reason. Right. I didn't think about that. If I would have, <laughs> I would have kept going. <laughs> did you have to go to, so you said you stopped at junior high. Did, did you have, did you, so you stopped at junior high. Um, uh, and did you have to go every week? I mean, every, it was just church or was it church and? I went to St. Raymond's, so it was a Catholic grade school. Right. And um, so, yeah, it was church every Sunday. And we would bring home, I don't know what it's called, a program from Mass to, to prove that we went because we didn't have to go with my parents anymore when we were older. Did they go? They went, they yes. Went. But sometimes they went at a different time. Uh huh. Do they still went? No. They stopped wenting? They stopped wenting. Why did they stop wenting? It was around the time that when my grandma lived with us who had Alzheimer's and they took care of her uh-huh. and somehow something changed a little bit in their faith. You know, they mm-hmm. still both believe, but they just didn't feel it was that they had to show their faith that way by going to mass oh, every so week. interesting. Um... Do you, because of all the challenges that you have with your cancer and things, do you feel that as you've gotten older, you've gotten more, uh, as you've gone through this experience, you've gotten more spiritual? I feel like I have. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because I try to find the miracle in, in everyday things. Mm-hmm. You know, I'll look at plants differently when I'm walking and... How do you look at plants differently? I really, you know, when you stop and smell the roses, like that whole <laughs> saying, I really do stop and I admire them and I notice the beauty in them. Right. And I really find myself stopping, mm-hmm. staring. <laughs> right. And uh, and Callie, your wife, does she stop with you? When you, you know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah, sure. Because, it, because a, yeah. a spiritual human being, it's like having, you have a dog, you have a dog, you have a dog. Yeah. Right. That's why I couldn't go over to your house because he wouldn't leave us alone. Right. Uh, he wouldn't, I, you told me he wouldn't leave us alone. Yeah. So that's why we're at my house. So a dog will stop, or a child, as you know, because you also have a daughter, a child will stop at everything. <laughs> <laughs> right? Yes. And so will Kelly stop with you or will she, she say, Judy, come on, you got to go? Uh, she'll be patient with it for sure she'll mm-hmm. normally be a couple steps ahead of me and then stop and say oh <laughs> right so it's sort of like you're her dog yeah <laughs> <laughs> yes yeah yeah uh and of course i say that because i love dogs 
I just love dogs. So it's that, that thing about now. So it's looking at those things spiritually. And so that is what you're looking at the here and the here and now you're looking at the here and now, the here and now. Oh, great. You're looking at the here and now, um, with that in mind, is there, what else do you, what else has changed in terms of the way that you look at the world spiritually, if you will? Yeah, I... I'll prompt you. Okay. Um, are you more patient? Yes. Are you also less patient? Yes. I'm <laughs> both. Yeah, certain uh -huh. things I'm like, I don't have time for that. Like what? Like, I don't have time for that. Uh, just, well, right now... There's we're having custody issues with my daughter. Mm -hmm. Your your ex partner and yes, right. And so I feel like I stand up for myself more. Mm -hmm. Like no, I right now we have fifty fifty where I get Daph for a week mm -hmm. and then Heather gets her for a week. Mm -hmm. Heather just moved to Naperville mm -hmm. and God now damn she, that's far away. Yes. And now she wants full custody of Daph and wants me to have Daph on the weekends and special holidays. Mm -hmm. And, and, uh, and I'm, I'm fighting that. Normally in our relationship, I, was, I would be like, okay, yeah, if that's what you think is best for Daphne. Right. It's okay. But I'm like, no. Right. She's my daughter too. Right. And you don't have time for this. Right. I, that's another I thing. I don't have time for this. Right. What a great phrase. I don't have time for this. Thank you. Right? Yeah. Because it really is. It's the time that you're taking away, and then you go, do I want to give time to this? And then you get to say this phrase, I don't know if you heard it, I have no time for this. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. And so we're seeing a lawyer on Monday. Mm -hmm. and, and there's another take up your time for that. Right. Right? Right. And, and the idea of, I don't have time for this. I think a lot of people, for me, I feel like, because I just, I just had a breakup. I think I've been talking about it a lot in these podcasts. I just had a breakup. And in the breakup, what I realized is, um, oh, I'm taking up, the, I'm taking, I was taking up a lot of time going, how do I make this thing work? It's going to be, everything has to be okay. Everything has to be okay. But the only way that everything's okay is if I feel okay with everything. Does that make sense? Mm -hmm. And if things aren't okay, then I don't have time for that. Right. And I go, oh, we just hit a tipping point. And the tipping point is, I ran out of time to have time to talk to you about the time. And I'm not being, I'm not just being cute. I can't help that. But it's that, <laughs> idea of, it's that idea of you've just crossed the line of when I get to stop this. Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah. Yeah, I, I do know. Mm-hmm. And to have a partner in Kelly who's as simpatico with all of this mm -hmm. as you are, mm -hmm. that's pretty great. Yeah, yeah. I love it. I love her. Obviously. <laughs> and I just saw your show at Second City. Uh, mm. What's it called? Give me the name. Tales of the Stage 4 Cancer. Yeah, Tales of the Stage 4 Tales of the Stage 4 Cancer. Of Tales of a Stage 4 Cancer. Tales of a Stage 4 Cancer. It's a hilarious title. Um, I love that show. Thank I you. I loved it. And this is what, because I didn't get a chance to talk to you because I thought I'd talk to you today. And that's what we're doing. Um, this is what I loved. My sister came, and uh, she loved it too. Mm -hmm. And the reason that one of the reasons that I loved it was this: you're telling me how to talk about it. Hmm. Okay. Right. Yeah. 
because people don't talk about cancer. They just don't talk about it. Mm -hmm. And if they do, it's hush. Right. Like whispered. Right. What's it like to talk about it? <clears throat> I love talking about it. It's obviously a huge part of my life. And so I want to educate people without sitting them down and giving them a lesson, you know, right. writing on a chalkboard or right. whatever is more current than a chalkboard. But an eye chalkboard. An eye chalkboard. Or a chalk eye board. <laughs> right. <laughs> but I love I love to let people know that they can laugh about it. Right. That they can find the humor in it or mm -hmm. else it'll drive you insane if if you don't find something Right. Like that. Was there, I'm going to go back to this term, because it, it, was there a tipping point where you went, no, I have to talk about it? Yeah. Yeah. I, I wrote a first show. What was the name of that? Are You There, Judy? It's Me, Cancer. Right. And I wrote that, and that was really fun. Was Kelly in that too? She was not in it. Mm -hmm. it, was, it was just me. And it was about a year or so out like when I was about a year into remission mm -hmm. and uh, my friend who's also my director Angie McMahon you know she just said you keep talking about this show she said when are we gonna do it you keep talking about the possibility of doing a show yeah I saying? talked about it for about <laughs> for about a year mm -hmm. and I even had transition music in mind mm -hmm. I had in uh, mind or on paper on paper mm -hmm. in my journal mm -hmm. I would journal and I was like oh this is a great song this could go somewhere up top in the running order. Right. Or And I had even the opening kind of, it was a performance piece mm -hmm. uh, where I did this angry dance to sabotage from the Beastie Boys. Mm -hmm. And I kind of showed like what that was like. Right. And um, I had that in my mind. I was like, oh, I just need to pick a choreographer for that. And and Angie finally just applied for a spot in the Skybox for me. Donnie Skybox at Second City yeah. in Chicago. Yeah, and uh, we got accepted, so we had seven weeks to write a show. <laughs> Don't so. you love the idea of uh, we got accepted, so we had seven weeks to write a show, <laughs> instead of saying, <laughs> saying we're going to do it, we're going to do it. And then right. she did that, and you go, what? You just pulled the trigger. I, now i got to do this. Yeah, she said, enough talking about it. <laughs> Do something about it. So she was the one, Angie was the one that helped, that um, facilitated your talking about it. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. Right? It was the greatest, it was the greatest gift because it was so, it was such a wonderful experience. Um, we sold out mm -hmm. every night and uh, it was a four-week run. But it also became, you know, people who knew me came to see the show, but it also became more than that. People who I didn't know who had breast cancer, they were coming up to me after the show just sobbing, hugging me, saying, thank you for sharing your experience. How did that feel? It felt wonderful because I had just lost a friend to breast cancer about two weeks before we opened the show. Whoa. So I was doubting myself. I was doubting, why am I doing the show? I'm so selfish. Why, you know, why am I doing this and having, not fun with it, but kind of, it was a Wait, 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 show. wait, wait, wait. You were having fun with it. Yeah. It wasn't kind of fun with it. Okay. You know what I mean? <laughs> right. And in that therapy, that's, it, that's therapy for you. You it know, because we're both, I know you from comedy. 
I know you from Second City. That's where I know you. I also know that you're a teacher, and I know that you know the um, healing properties of comedy, the、mm-hmm. healing properties of looking at something from a way where you go, okay, let's step back from this and, and look at the irony, or let's step step back from this and 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 look at the absurdity. Right. Let's just step back from this. And the moment that you do that, but I also feel like here's that word selfish. Which I got to tell you, a friend of mine once, just recently, probably like a minute ago, said, "I don't have time for that." <laughs> you know what I mean? That feeling of, of selfishness. Fuck that feeling. Fuck、right. that feeling. Right. And selfishness goes back to Saint Raymond's, doesn't it? Yes. Yes, it does. <laughs> yes, it does. Well, those feelings went away. Of why am I doing this? And the selfishness feeling went away when I started seeing how the show is affecting other people. So it wasn't just it. It definitely was therapeutic for me. Every week it was, but it became more than that, and that's what I felt so honored. I was people were thanking me, and I was thanking them because I said, if you weren't here, I would have no one to share this with. Being an actor is such an interesting thing because it really I need you and you need me more than I think so many other products.、Mm-hmm. If you want.、Mm-hmm. And that's what it, I mean. I, yes, I need the audience, and the audience needs me because they're coming to me. And we have we never have any idea why anybody's in the audience, right? And all and they're they're paying to come to see us. So whenever I hear an actor say,、uh, I, "I'm," the audience tells me what to do, wherever the fuck that is. I'm like, "No, they don't. You tell you what to do. They're coming to you. But what if I don't satisfy them? Nobody forced them to come to the show,、mm-hmm. and they're going to get out what it is that they get out. You're also going to be surprised at what it is that they get get out from what it is that you got out. And you never know what it is that they're seeing seeing every step of the way because、mm-hmm. you do the same thing. You look at something, you go, 'Oh,、uh, okay. So let's look at let's look at the show that that Rachel, my sister, and I just saw.'" Um, uh, <laughs> uh, <laughs> Where you said Kelly hates that mouth chewing sound. Yeah, that, I hate that mouth chewing sound. <laughs> I hate that mouth chewing sound so much. I broke up with a woman because she did. She ate with my tongue. I'm like, no, 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 no. That's not okay. Because here's the thing. I couldn't say to her, "Look, Lisa, not her name." Um, you know that mouth chewing thing that you do? She'd go, "No, I don't know that I'm doing it." And the minute that she doesn't know that she's doing it. She's not going to stop doing it because、right. that's who it is that she is.、Mm-hmm. So I look at what it is that Kelly that that y'all, y'all put into that part. It's like that made me feel that I'm not just the only person that that bothers. Right? Does that make sense?、Mm-hmm. Yeah, it does. Yeah, I think, and that's great, and that's part of the reason I like performing about cancer.、Um, I've had. You know, some of my doctors have come to see the show. Some nurses that I don't even know have come to see the show, and they say that it helps them get a deeper understanding of what their patient's going through.、Mm-hmm. And if I can give them that gift, then that makes me so happy. Right. In that, it gives them a deeper understanding of what their patients are going through. What it also does, it gives them a way to communicate with their patients about what it is that they're going through.、Mm-hmm. And then, what it is is it gives their patients a connection with their with their、uh, their medical team 
that they can talk to them about certain things and their medical team understands what it is from this non-medical way because your cancer is a fact. Mm -hmm. The way that you deal with it is your truth. Mm -hmm. And your truth connects you, your truth and their ability to speak their truth clearly, confidently, helps them communicate with not just their medical team, but also with their family. Mm -hmm. And that's what sometimes, not even sometimes, often, <laughs> I, I think about my journey, not just in cancer, but just through Second City, through classes. I mean, I was trying to think on the way here, you and I have known each other Oh, man, man, I was, I think I was 16, 15, 16. And now you're 22. And now I'm 22. <laughs> I wish. I'm 39 now. I'll let you do the math. So, so 16, so 23 years. 23 Is that right? Years. Yeah. And you were seems, one of my first teachers. Yeah. My first but it, it seems like I've known you longer. And I'm not saying that you're older. It just seems that you and I have a depth. When I first met you, it felt like I've known you forever. Mm. That's what it felt like. So that's the, that's the truth. And that truth is like, that's pretty phenomenal. Because it says to me, and you've seen me cry before. Because yeah. <laughs> um, it says to me about the, the power of Second City the power of those relationships, the power of the truth, the power of the family, the power of our team, if you mm -hmm. will, uh, of our crew, of those, chose, of those people that we've chosen to be with us. Did you ever read um, Jill Bolte-Taylor's book, My Stroke of Insight? No. Do you know what the book is? No. Okay, so I've talked about it before in the podcast. Um, she was a neuroanatomist at Harvard. A brain doctor. Okay. 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 She's a brain doctor, right? She's a neuroanatomist at Harvard. She wakes up one morning and she's got this screaming headache and she decides to get on her treadmill and just like walk it off and she holds on the treadmill and then she realizes she doesn't know where her arms end and where the treadmill begins and she's looking at the bright lights of the treadmill. She's going, what's happening there? Pretty bright lights of treadmill. Uh-oh. You know, and she goes, this is crazy. I'm going to take a shower. She jumps in the shower. The water coming from the shower is just, it, it's painful. It's painful. And at that moment, she realizes she's having a stroke. And so she, you know, to, make a, a, to make a long story short, um, she lost her personality in the stroke. So she got to start over. And in her starting over, what she, her mother took care of her. Okay. In the way that her mother needed, needed to take care of her. The way her mother needed to take care of her. Not the way that science told her to take care of her. Not the way that any therapist told her to take care of her. Not the way that any, you know, just the way that her mother took care of her. And what her mother noticed was these kinesthetic responses from when a person entered her hospital room, Jill, Jill's hospital room, and her mother was watching, she, her, Jill would have this, this kinesthetic response, this physical response, not like screaming or anything, but just a, a way to look. And her mother had that empathy and that connection to know, Jill doesn't like this person. She's not allowed in her life anymore. Wow. You know what I mean? Wow. To make those selections that essentially say this, she doesn't have time for that person in her life. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And the pe people that we select to be in our lives and the idea of going, no, I'm done with this. I'm done with this. 
I'm done with this because I've tried that, that doesn't work, I'm done with this. Mm -hmm. And to surrender it, you're not abandoning a relationship, you're evolving out of it, hmm. and to hold on to that. Wow. So those are the second bits, city people, mm -hmm. you know, for me. Well, yeah, and now that I have cancer, I've been thinking, you know, this was, this was my journey. Mm -hmm. This, there was a reason I took these second city classes. That you had no idea. Yeah. Is that, that crazy? Yeah. I did Geico for 18 years. They're still up Wait, and Wait, Geico, people might, might think oh. it's an insurance company. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Geico is a gay and lesbian sketch comedy troupe um, in Chicago. Founded from Second City, right? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. We were part of Second City Outreach Program. Mm -hmm. And then we grew too big. So, right? So, yeah. <laughs> and you were one of the founders of that? Yeah, I'm one of the founding Who members else? of it. Andy Enninger, mm -hmm. Ed Garza. Right. Um, those are the ones that are still around and in the Second City building. And, right. Um, Ed's still? Ed's still teaching. Oh, Ed's still teaching. He's yeah. not running the program. He used to right. run the program. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, the program being the, the training center. Mm -hmm. Right. So those people now, God damn it, Judy. Um, look what's going on with the world. You're married. Mm-hmm. And you met Kelly at Second City, right? Yeah, she she was a student of mine in level A about ten years ago. Right. And uh we became friends and kept in touch. She's a wonderful writer and so I would check out some of her Second City writing six shows. Mm -hmm. uh, part of the conservatory program. Yeah, part of the conservatory program. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> right. You know. And, uh, yeah, then she became a part of Geico. And right. then we were like, hey, wait a minute. <laughs> <laughs> Isn't that interesting, that hey, wait a minute moment where you go, I didn't, because you, did you think about it? Or was it, hey, wait a minute, and you went, I think this feeling that I have is much, isn't a feel, isn't a, just a, isn't your run of the mill friendship, right. if you will. Right. It's not your, oh, this is a former student of mine, and I like that person. You go, I'm going to let myself fall in love right now. Because mm -hmm. you can't yeah. not do that. Yeah. Yeah, it was, it was more like that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I, I knew there was something special about her. Not, I wasn't thinking like romantic feelings when she was my student, obviously. But, um, but yeah, I just knew. I was like, this is someone who I want to have in my life. Right. It's someone who walks into a, whenever you, there, there are a few people, like you're one of these people for me, where I look at you, when I see your name, there's, there's this feeling of, oh, that's a special person in my life. Mm. I want to see a picture of you. That's a special person in my life. It's a special feeling for special people. Right. And to be able to go, your presence, her presence, these people's presence is a spiritual um, guidepost for me. And it's also a foundation upon which I, I look at everybody and go, okay, there's, there's these people and then there's these other people. Mm-hmm. Right? Mm-hmm. Some people don't have those people. I think that those people, I think people have those people, but they don't let themselves have those people. 
Hmm. Am I making sense? Yeah, I think that makes total sense. Mm-hmm. So it requires a certain uh, vulnerability and not fearing that vulnerability. The idea mm-hmm. of going, I'm going, to, I'm going to express myself the way that I feel toward you, or I'm going to engage or exercise or practice this feeling toward you, mm-hmm. and I trust that this is going to pay off. Right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, and it's, it's, it's great going back to the Second City thing where you go, there was a reason that you took those classes. Mm-hmm. And I like playing the game of how, how do I know you? And when I say how do I know you, what I mean is how far back, where's the, where's the, the, where was the seed planted that grew into you and me being here right, you and, I, you and me being here right now? Do you understand? Mm-hmm. For me... I'm going to tell you exactly where it happened because it's happened in this house and it happened way before you were born and it happened in 1969. I remember my mom at the front door saying, I just went to the JCC and I signed you up for drama classes. I was like, what's drama? I was 10. And that's what started my improv uh, excursion, my theater excursion. What was it for you? If you look at how you and I got here right now, Right. Well, or if you look at you, how you and Kelly got, got together. Like, where was that juncture, that junction, if you will, where you go, oh, I'm going down that path. That right. took you to her. Right. Well, first, okay, we'll start with the two of us. You and I. You and I. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, my oldest brother, Gary... Who I met, who I know. Yeah. Right. He took classes at Second City. Mm-hmm. Um, but even, yeah, I probably saw his shows first. And then at the young age of 12 is when I, I saw my first Second City show. At Second City Northwest. Yeah, Second City. Rolling Meadows. Yep, Second City mm-hmm. Northwest. Mm-hmm. And, and I remember the feeling, and you were on stage. You were 12. I was 12. <laughs> I was 12. And I remember thinking how cool, remember I was 12, how cool that these old people mm-hmm. <laughs> right. were playing and having so much fun. And like during the improvised parts, were laughing with each other and smiling. And all they had... All you had w- were some Bentwood chairs and then some glow tape on the stage to know where to place these chairs or so you wouldn't fall off the stage, either one. <laughs> but I just thought, I want to do that. Mm-hmm. I want to play like that. Mm-hmm. So between seeing my brother's you know, conservatory shows at the Second City Training Center mm-hmm. and seeing you being one of those I, I remember the the piano man song uh piano sing, man sing us a song near piano man right yeah you did some you interviewed the audience and then you improvised like a verse oh, based I see. off of like their job or something like that oh 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 okay remember that no i don't remember that but okay. it sounds familiar it was like jim is an accountant from Augustine, yes. right? Sure, that yeah. sounds familiar. That's, that's yes. like something we would do. Just, yeah. just. I think that we probably did it just uh, 
because we were changing shows. Okay. You know what I mean? Yeah. It, or it was a game in the improv set. Yeah, it might have been. Piano but yeah. that's one of the things I remember from. So for so let's go now. Let's go back because your brother is responsible then for you and Kelly being together. Mm-hmm. Right. Yes. Yeah, my brother Gary. That's true. Right. He was the yeah. one that that brought you there. And then, if you want, we can back up and go. How did Gary get to? And this is, you know, just it's fun to do because you right. go, how do I know that person? How is it that that happened? But Gary must have known someone that said there's this place called Rolling Meadows. There's this place called Second City or whatever it was. And then Gary going, I'm going to take my sister, which says mm -hmm. a lot about your brother that he was able to bring you with. What's the age difference? Uh, <clears throat> he's eight years older than me. Okay. I'm 12 years older than my sister. And I took her to a Grateful Dead concert. I think she was 12. Wow. <laughs> or 14 or whatever it was but you know it's like older brothers who love their sisters do you guys have a strong relationship yeah we do right older brothers who love their sisters that's probably why I love you so much older brothers love their sisters their younger sisters and they want to be with them mm -hmm. and again we go back to Jill Booty Taylor where it's like this person gives me an energy that makes me want to continue living and being happy and being grateful and learning and sharing. Mm-hmm. Right. Yep. I'm going to go back to religion. Because I think there's... Uh, I think that when it comes to religion, there's, there seems to be governors on our ability to enjoy ourselves to such an extent where we go, you know, don't be too boastful about your friends mm -hmm. or don't be too boastful about the, or chalk it all up to God. And eventually, because you and I are able to go, oh, it was your brother. Or for me, it was my mother at the door. But somebody mm -hmm. else would go, no, it was Jesus. Right. Jesus made it so that I could turn a bad, a cat, a bad. And I go, <laughs> um, I don't know about that. I don't know about that. You know? Yep. I have someone, I go to Gilded's Club, Chicago. I go to a support group every Monday afternoon. And there's one woman in our group who <laughs> everything is, praise Jesus. And Jesus is the reason you're here. And, and Jesus will make it better. And, and yeah, the whole time we're like, whatever works for you. Right. And we kind of push it back on her. <laughs> <laughs> right, because right. it's like I don't want to get any of that on me. Because then you got to go to a dry cleaner. <laughs> and who can afford that? Like oh, every Monday. Every Monday. And it's yeah. sort of like going to uh, when when they used to smoke in bars. You go, okay, I'm going to go to the ale house, but I don't want to wear clothes that I'm going to need tomorrow. Right. Because of the cigarette smoke. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yep. Uh, if you're going to blame, if you're going to give Jesus credit for that. You also have to give Jesus credit for your cancer. Yep. Mm -hmm. Why would Jesus do that? Right. <laughs> Why would he? You know? Yep. Because there has to be, in that moment, you have to go, and you must have gone, why me? Did you why me? me? Yes. Uh-huh. Yes. Mm -hmm. What's the answer? Is there an answer to why me? There really isn't. I think the closest the closest I've come to an answer is performing my show. Ah, 
So, okay. Because not, I know women who didn't get a chance to have a show. Right. They passed away. Right. Or it's not in them to have a show. They might do the three-day walk instead, um, which is also a wonderful thing. But I feel like sometimes when I ask why me, I come up with the answer of, because I, I have a lot to share. And you have the gift of being able to share it in a way, and because you have the gift of being able to share it in a way that disseminates your message or broadcasts your message in a broad cast, mm-hmm. you know? Mm-hmm. And casting broadly to go, and you're abroad, so a broadcasting broadly, <laughs> broadcasting, um, and you're <laughs> and you're able to do that in that way. So that is really using all, using so much, so much of your skill set. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I think maybe that's why I'm here. That's my purpose in life. Isn't it? It's, that's one of your purposes. In one life. of them. Yeah. Yes. That's one of the purposes in life. Because you are not your cancer. You are also not your acting. That's right. part of who it is that you are. Right. And so, because a lot of people, I know a lot of people say, and I've talked about this on the podcast before, where people will say, um, I am a child of a child of the depression. And you go, really? How do you do that? How do you live your life with that? Where, like, you're, that's just your lineage. That's not who it is that you are. Mm-hmm. <coughs> Excuse me. And the answer, or to say, this is who I am. I want, because I, one of the things that I want people to do is, <coughs> that I'm aiming towards, is to have people stop saying, I am this or I am that. <coughs> Excuse right. me. Right. I was thinking about that recently because... When Geico, the sketch comedy group, first started 18 years ago, wow. that's I. When I would relate to people, you know, it was always "How's Geico? How's Geico?" and and I kind of felt like I am Geico. I am the lesbian who is one of the performers of Geico, and then cut to uh, seven years ago when I became a mother to Daphne. It was always, how's Daphne, how's Daphne, how's Daphne? And then I was a mother. And then when the cancer came, same exact situation. Everyone would say, how are you feeling? What's going on? Tell us how many more rounds of chemo. Right. And I, I became my cancer. Right. I became my cancer. What a thing to say. Right. And I don't like that feeling. No. It's the same thing of... Because when I talk to you, because, you know, uh, I'm not going to ask you how your cancer is. I'm not going to ask you how Daphne is. I'm not going to ask you how Geico is. Um, Because, not because I don't care, but because those are just things that you do. Mm -hmm. That's not who it is that you are. And what it does then is it, I'm sort of asking you to add up these numbers. Because I'm just asking you to repeat history. I'm not finding out who it is that you are. Right. And we say adding up these numbers, these are facts. What is happening? And then you would go back historically and tell you, well, Jim and Susan joined the company, and Susan was going out with Debbie, and now Debbie. And it's like, who the fuck cares? What's going on? Right? Right. 
But I guess people want to go, what are we talked about? What are we talking about? Also, I would imagine that a lot of people don't want to talk to you about your cancer. Right. Yeah, there's definitely that. And you can see that. You can see the avoidance of it. How is that shown? How is that exhibited? How is that? Uh, how, yeah, how is that shown? You know, just when we're uh, in the faculty lounge at Second City and teachers come up and it's like, oh, what level do you have tonight? What level are you teaching tonight? Uh-huh. And what's your syllabus plan? And um, and sometimes I want to say, really? <laughs> do you care what I'm teaching tonight? Like, you're teaching writing, possibly, and I'm mm-hmm. teaching a level A, like, you want to really dig deep into my syllabus? <laughs> <laughs> but when people start, when people bring up the cancer, they, because they're, you're saying they're talking about that because they don't want to talk about. Right. Right. So they're avoiding that. They're avoiding talking about that. Yeah. It's, <laughs> I've come to the point where I look at people and I immediately can see the eyes glazing over. And, and it's nothing to do with me. It has to do with their interest. And I go, okay, I'm going to stop here. Mm-hmm. Because anything that I do past that point is going to be this. I don't have the time to talk to you. <laughs> I'm sorry to keep going back to that. But really, isn't it that? I'm, going, yeah. I'm not going to spend the time talking to your glazed over facade. Right. And here's, no, here's another thing. There's a woman that I had, I had in one of my classes recently, and she insisted on talking to me about her dating. And it was as if, it was as if she wasn't looking at me, looking around, going, "I gotta get the fuck out of this relationship, this this instance right, right now." Right. Because I don't have the time for this. Or I'm gonna stop and go. Listen. Right now, please stop. Please stop talking to me about eHarmony and all these. <laughs> I, I can't. Not right now. Right. How the fuck are you? What's going on in your life? What the fuck? <sighs> right. The silences, the pauses, the duration of just being. How awesome is that? Yeah, that's wonderful. That's wonderful. When I have, I have a lung catheter in. Right now? Yeah. I was wondering what that sound was. <laughs> that's what it is and <laughs> i can't hear it i know, I know. i'm just thinking maybe people think that i can because oh. <laughs> um, we're not just talking about to us but keep right. going so you have a- um so i have a lung catheter in because they discovered through a ct scan that i had fluid around my right lung uh, so they once a week a nurse comes over to my house and drains the fluid mm-hmm and I'm not supposed to lift heavy things and our laundry's in the basement. Mm-hmm. And so I have a really good friend, Erica, who has been coming over every Friday to lug my laundry down the stairs and lug it back up for me. And, and our time together when we're just sitting there is so nice. There are lots of silences and it's not like, oh, I'm checking my phone. She's checking her phone. We're just, we're talking or we're not talking. Right. But we're just comfortable with letting it be whatever it becomes. Right. Or not whatever it becomes. Right. But whatever it is. Right. Right. And 
that's one of the things I love about my Fridays with her. <laughs> right. Because she'll want to know an update, but it doesn't have to be an hour long story. It's just, or, right. It's as long as it takes to do the laundry. Mm -hmm. Is that what it is? Mm -hmm. Right. Measuring yeah. things in laundry time. You know, I'm not going to yeah. answer the phone, everybody. Um, <laughs> measuring things in laundry time. And the, the times that you have at those times are just, you cherish those times because it's also you going, okay, we're just going to be. Mm -hmm. I love, when my sister and I are together, she checks her phone. And I check my phone. I go, oh, that's mm -hmm. our deal. We check our phones. Mm -hmm. And she'll, and I, I could tell that she's taking pictures and she's zhuzhing them up. And she's going to post them. And any, there's, there's going to be a moment where my phone is going to go, hello, Rachel tagged you, right? Um, I also have friends who say, are you really going to be on your phone? Are you really going to be on your phone? Mm -hmm. And then I see them being on their phone. Like, <laughs> no. you fucker. Um, and I also have, you know, where you go, don't be on your phone. We're together right now. Like, God damn it. Mm -hmm. We live in a time right now where that's what's happening. Yep. And the only source of suffering is non-acceptance. Right. I didn't think about it like that. Because if there's something that's happening to you, or there's something in our relationship, I can either go, you change, or I go, I change. Mm -hmm. I change. To, to, because we're, we're, we think that we're solids, but we're really gas. We're really liquids. We really go to where it is that we need to go to. Mm -hmm. You know, we fill up the space that we fill up. And that's one of the things that I learned at Second City is when you're writing a show, you come in with an idea and it works in a certain way. You come with an idea and it's not working in a certain way. And then somebody goes, what if you do this? And then you, you surrender your basic idea mm -hmm. and you go, oh, I'll try that. Let's try that. And you yeah. go, that works, but this thing doesn't work. And you go, okay, we're going to surrender that concept within this set of what it is that we've done. Not set, like an improv set, but within this set called the scene. And we're going to surrender that. Mm -hmm. We're going to see what works there. And then you realize this. Nothing fucking matters anyway. Right. Hmm. Yeah. That's so true. And to surround yourself with people who are who feel like... Who can easily unattach, not disengage. And when I mean oh, okay. disengage, what I mean is they go, oh, I'll let go of that. Surrender. I'm going to surrender that. I'm going to surrender that. Mm -hmm. Why the fuck not? Right. And I bet that you have people in your life where you're like, oh, God, this person will not let that shit go. <laughs> we all know that. Yeah. Yeah, we all have people like that. And so you must also have that in what your expectations are of your diagnosis or your treatment or your expectations from the treatment where you go, it's, treatment is going to last X amount of time and then treatment lasts longer than that and you can't pull your hair out because A, you have no hair and B, <laughs> what's the point? Right? Right. Yeah. Yeah. It's so true because then you get yourself really down if you have these expectations that, okay, I have six rounds of chemo and I thought that was it. And no, that's not it. And exactly. What's, what, what's happened with your concept of pain? It's, I realize I can tolerate a lot of pain. 
even with this port that I just got in yesterday, mm-hmm. um, you know, a lot of people are texting me or Facebooking me and saying, how's the pain? And it's really, it's, it's, it's nothing compared to what I've been through, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, Isn't pain an interesting thing? Yeah. Do you know what I mean? I, I, okay, you've been through, first off, I think women can tolerate pain more than men. Mm-hmm. I agree. Because if we bleed, something's really fucking wrong. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. So you got that, but there's, there's also childbirth. Did you give birth to Daphne? I didn't. Okay. I adopted her. Okay, you adopted her. Mm-hmm. So that idea right there of childbirth... Like, what's that pain? Right. And you don't get used to the pain. You learn how to manage your, you, you learn what your relationship to the pain is. Mm-hmm. Isn't that what it is? Yeah. It's your relationship to the pain. Yeah. Because you can't deny the pain. Right? Right. Right. It's, you accept the pain. Yeah. Accepting it and just learning how to deal with it. Right. Um, like. It hurts to lay on the side that I just got the port put in, so I don't lay on that side. (laughs) Right. You're not like, I'm going to show me who's boss. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Right? Yeah. But it's also you looking and saying, this is going to feel a certain way. And and it's such a... For me, it's the comparison is this. When I broke my foot, when I broke my foot, which is different than cancer, of course. When I broke my foot, I was like, wow, that hurts. That's what that feels like. Mm-hmm. That feels like hurt. That's hurt. And here's another thing. I am not my pain. Mm-hmm. Does, you know what I mean? Like yeah. that's just part of it because uh, it goes back to the spiritual thing of saying we are, these, we are these spiritual body. We are these spiritual beings within this body. Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah. Yeah. And so, oh, my body, my physical is experiencing that. What's my spiritual going to do with that? Am I making mm-hmm. any sense? Yeah, yeah, it's <clears throat> totally clear. And yeah, I feel like I can use that, like I'm not my pain. <laughs> right? That yeah. is just something that you're experiencing. Right. And that's not to, that, uh, uh, and, and so what do we, what do we do? What does that even mean? You know, we get to go, okay, right now I cut my finger. I'll cut my, so I cut my finger. You've got the, what's, what's, it, what's it called? In your neck? Port. You have this port in your neck. That's what's happening right now. It's like, isn't that an interesting thing? Because that's not who you are. Right. (laughs) But it's also a really interesting thing to go, how the fuck does that work? Right. Who came up with that idea? Who did they experiment on in order to make that happen? Right. What prisoners did they, because what sensible persons go, look, this is what we're going to do. We're going to put this thing in you. And you're like, what the, what? If it's not there right now, do we really need to put it in? Yeah. Or if it grew on the inside, I get that. But for you to go, foreign objects shoved into that thing. Right. And then anesthesia. Right. Crazy. Right? <laughs> right? Yes. Someone had to die in order for some anesthesiologist to go, this is how much you need. Right. We know because yeah. we gave that lady this much. She's not around anymore. Yeah. We gave her a little too much. <laughs> right. Right, 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 right. Right. And also the people around you, like Kelly and Daphne, around you to know what your pain is and for them to not attempt to take on your pain. Right. 
Mm-hmm. Which I think that, well, Kelly has said before that, you know, that she wishes she could take that pain away from me. That, that she wishes that I didn't have to go through this, that, you know, that she would rather go through it than have me go through it. Mm-hmm. Right. What was, how, how do we, what, how does that work? How would, I don't, it's like, <laughs> right. I, I mean, I know that she knows because she's an intelligent person. She's not a, a child or a, anybody with a brain injury. She knows that, but you look at it going, how would that work? Right. And here's another thing. Why would you want to do that? Right. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> like, I know you love me, but no, you, you wouldn't want to. <laughs> but there's also people that take on people's emotional pain too. Right. So what do we do? So what we do is, what do we do? So instead, how, how do we accept someone's emotional pain or someone's physical pain? What do we, what do we do? What do you want people to do when it comes to your physical pain? Uh, just to mainly be careful with the hugs. <laughs> <laughs> but what I, you know what I'm talking yeah. about? I'm talking about your like they watch you go through this. What do you? How, what, what do you want people to, to do with the fact that you're going through through the pain? I don't know. That's a really tough question. Um, what do I... I don't know. I mean, I just... Do you not want to talk about it? I mean, not right now. But right. it's like, I don't want to talk about my pain. Or where they go, are you in... Are you in pain? Yeah, you're in pain. When someone tells me about an operation that they had, of course I go through it in my mind, mm-hmm. sort of like mirror neurons, which is a really hard phrase yes. to use. Mirror neurons, like urban juror, you know, mirror neurons, where you go, <laughs> mirror neurons, where I do that. But if I can separate myself from that and go, oh, that happened, not to experience it myself, just to hear what it is that you're going, what it is that, right. that operation that they're going through, and just sit, sit back and go, oh, that's what. Okay, that's how that works. Okay, that's how that works. That's how that works. And not jump on it. Right. Yeah, I guess. I don't know. I like when people are just kind of there, supporting me, kind of being cheerleaders for me, mm-hmm. cheering me on. Mm-hmm. Um. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Does that make sense or not? It, it certainly makes sense for them to just, again, accept what it is that you're doing, not to say, oh, I'm sorry, you're going through that. Right. That is a weird thing to say. Right. Isn't it? Yes. Why is that a weird thing to say for you? I know how, why it's a weird thing to say for me. Just because it's something that I am going through. Right. And so for... The pity. Yeah. Is it the pity? It's the pity, I think. Yeah. It's like, just be there for me. Right. If I want to text you or call you in the middle of the night, that's great. (laughs) And the idea of, if you want to text them or call them, say, call them in the middle of the night, you're calling them in the middle of the night, not necessarily to get advice, but just to get an ear and a heart. Mm Mm-hmm. To to get an ear and a heart. And I think that's, that's what I want. Mm-hmm. It's what we, when I'm telling somebody something, 
or when somebody's telling me something, this is what I this is what I've learned to do is I've learned to go, mm-hmm, 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 okay, hmm. right? Mm-hmm. They're not asking me for advice. If they were asking me for advice, they'd say, "Look, I got this problem," as opposed to, "This happened to me." Right. I was teaching a class yesterday, and I heavily side coach. And a guy had a really hard time with it. Where he went, you're making me angry with your side coaching right now. I was going to do this, and then you do this, and it's you blasting in my ear all the time. Blasting in my ear, blasting in my ear. And I went, young Dave, 25, 26, 27, would go, I, I don't know what he would do. But this guy, this Dave, this 55-year-old Dave, went, okay, great. You're going through that. Great. Hmm. That's what you're going through. I don't need to connect to that. I'm going to connect to you. Needed to blast at me. Wonderful. Yeah. And uh, you know, mm-hmm. you must go through it with Daphne, if she has a meltdown. Yes. Yes. And then, then there's times where you're thinking, oh, I'm connecting to that. Connecting then, what? To her meltdown? Yeah. Right. <clears throat> but it's so much easier. And it works so much better when I don't connect. It's like you're... you're it's not connect. You don't engage. I'm sorry. Yes, you're right. Mm-hmm. Yes. Because you do connect. You just don't engage. Right. And it works so much better that way when I don't engage. <laughs> right. Because you look at... I, I talk a lot about how to create an argument scene in mm-hmm. improv. Mm-hmm. This is how you create an argument scene. I'm arguing and then you argue. Okay. You know what I mean? Yeah. If I'm arguing and you're smiling, we don't have an argument scene. Right. If I'm arguing and you're distracted, we don't have an argument scene. Okay. Yep. If I'm angry and then you're angry, we got an argument scene. Touche. We made that. If I'm angry and you're humiliated, we don't have an argument scene. Mm-hmm. But it's about you being mindful yeah. at that moment. Yeah. Because there are some times where... There are many times, but I see myself when if Daph's having a meltdown and then I really get involved in the meltdown and it doesn't do any good for either of us. So, yeah, so if I can just be calm and... Uh, and not and engage. Let, yeah, and let her have her moment. Let right. her have that moment that she needs to have or that moment. <laughs> right. That moment that she needs to have. And just as you can have that moment of your meltdown, of your anger, of your connection with your ego, of your, you know, of all that, I get to, I get to feel this thing that I'm feeling. Mm-hmm. I'm not asking you to change it because you can't change it. Kelly can't take on your anger right. and, and pull it away from you. Just as she can't take, not that she would, she can't take your joy and pull it away from you. You get to hold on to those things. Right. So that statement of you made me angry, it's like, no, you made you angry. Mm-hmm. I just did what it was that I was doing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I agree. Right. I, <laughs> when we look at it like this, it's sort of like saying, you made me hungry. Right. <laughs> <laughs> you made me hungry. You made me hungry. <laughs> we can't that doesn't work at all right it's just like you made me, you made me angry you made me 
nobody ever takes credit for it. You made me joyous. No one ever takes credit for that. That's true. Yeah. Yeah. And to look at all those things and to say, we are more in charge of what it is that we're going through than we ever take credit for. Mm -hmm. And what you're going through with your cancer must, at times it must feel so fucking alone. Yeah. But it's those people around you that go, we're here. We're here. Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah. Yeah. And that's, that's what I need to hear. That we're here. Mm-hmm. And there's this website. What is that? Where so many, where Kelly puts out we need people to take Judy to the zoo. Oh, yeah. It's called Helping Hands. And I'm pretty sure when you go to the site, you can just look up Judy Fabjans. <gasps> and it'll say, yeah, Judy needs a, a ride to Second City so she can teach her class. Right. Or we need a meal. Right. Um, How does it feel to let somebody do those things? It was especially hard when the group formed, um, when Helping Hands was formed for us. They were formed for you? My members from my softball team found this website. Oh, I see. Sorry, it wasn't formed for me. Got it. But uh, members of my softball team found this website and then signed me up for it, basically. Got it. And um, so it shoots an email out to people. I know, I get them. When, oh, huh, we need help. <laughs> and um, at first it was really hard because I was like, we could do everything ourselves. I don't need any help and I can still do everything. And there were times when I was undergoing treatment and I was sick and tired for two weeks straight. And I was like, I just want to feed my daughter a peanut butter and jelly sandwich for dinner and that's it and other people stepped up saying we'd like to bring over a meal so so we were able to <laughs> make sure Daphne had vegetables right, <laughs> and right, some right. protein <laughs> and that wasn't peanut butter right mm. <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah um so it's about again you sur- you acknowledge you accepting the fact that mm-hmm. you could use this help. Mm-hmm. And yeah. so, so much of what's happening, and it's happening to us all, so much of what's happening is the relationship that we have with our ego that says be strong, be self-sufficient, all of those <sighs> things. But to know that there comes a point where you got to, there comes a point, there will come a point, there always is a point where you say, I need to surrender that which I have always been able to do because right now I've evolved into this other place this other situation mm-hmm. where I need some help. Yeah, and that's it's hard to admit you need help, and it's hard to do the surrendering to let people in to help. And we had people, students at Second City who weren't students of mine coming over to bring dinner. Like a teacher, Jay Suko, is... I hate him. 
I don't hate him. I love <laughs> I was going to say, I love him. <laughs> <laughs> no. Scary moment. I know. No, 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 no. I never yeah. say like, I never say it's like, uh, like, you take somebody that is the most, the nicest person in the world and you go, for me, it'd be, fuck Brian Stack. Right. He's an asshole. Pat Finn, fuck that guy. <laughs> Jenna Jolovitz, everybody hates her. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. So anyway, Jay Suko. Yeah. So you're saying Jay. He's, he's been great. And right. uh, he forwarded information about us needing help with meals and dog walks right. to his students. And so someone showed up at our door I was like, hi, I don't know you. And he's like, oh, I'm a student at Jay Suko's. And, and I'm here to walk he, your dog? He brought, yeah, he brought us a meal and walked our dog. Right, right, so, right. And it's all because your brother took you to Second City when you were 12. Mm-hmm. Isn't that amazing? Yeah. And can I just say... Um, because I've been meaning to say this to you probably for 23 years. I remember in class with you, um, because when I first started taking improv, I was so shy and didn't speak, and I just wanted to observe, never wanted to. Well, I mean, of course, I really wanted to play, but I was terrified to play. And there was one exercise where you... Um, I, I think we weren't even on stage. I don't remember, but you grabbed on to me and you were like, oh, you don't like this? Like, get pissed off. And I was like, I can't. I can't get pissed <laughs> off. Just let go. And, and you were like, no, not until like you get out of my arms. You like get angry and pissed off and punch me, kick me. And uh, that was one of my turning points in improv. Mm-hmm. Like that just really helped me. Like that's the moment. So many, I loved all my teachers, but for a long time, teachers let me get away with being the cute 16 year old who didn't say anything. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I just want to thank you for being that teacher who was like, okay, we're done being the cute 16 year old. <laughs> Now, now you can talk, and 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 that's that moment. You know, I tell my students about that moment. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's uh, one of the things that that we get from teaching is to be able to look at somebody and to say, we get to look at somebody and say, what do they need right now, and not back off, mm-hmm. and not. And not miss an opportunity. Because aren't we looking for those opportunities to go, I, I know what you need. Mm-hmm. And the gift that, I gave you that gift, but you gave me that gift. In that you, you showed up at that moment. You showed up at that moment and you let me use a skill set that I've had, that I have. Now, I don't remember that specifically, but a skill set that I have where I'm able to go, this person needs this right now. And it helped me realize who it is that I am on this planet hmm. or not who it is that I am <laughs> to go right. back to but right. one of the, w- one of the reasons that I am here right. is to push, but it's also to realize that y- you were kind of asking me to do that. 
you were waiting for somebody to do that. Mm -hmm. You were hoping that someone was going to do that. And, it, and if it wasn't me, it might have been somebody else. I could probably name a lot of people that it wouldn't be, but <laughs> you know, it wouldn't have been, it wouldn't have been, I don't know if Carell was teaching at that time, mm -hmm. but it wouldn't have been Carell mm -hmm. because he's, you know, he, that's not what he does. Right. But you, but you helped me do that. And I thank you for that. Mm. You're welcome. And I thank you for talking to us. Let's stop there. Ready? Right? And yeah. Right, thank you. Oh, you're welcome. Thank you for listening to ADD Comedy. For Dave Rosowski, I'm Ian Foley. For more information on Dave, you can go to his website at www.davidrosowski.com or follow Dave on Twitter at drosowski.